there is so much to be learned from the past in order to understand present day perspectives. And you will miss out on a huge learning of the experience if you only focus on the now. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, your one-stop shop for basically everything coffee. And today is no different. We're going to be talking about the siphon pot. If you're looking for more basics in coffee, then I would say scroll back through your feed and start at season one. And just honestly, you could find the episodes that you like. Or you can just go through them because every episode is designed to build on the previous episode so that you build your coffee knowledge up. Katie, welcome to the show today. Oh my gosh, thank you. Woo! Woo! You're here. I am. Hey, so listen, before we start talking about siphon pots and about our very, very good friend, Jay Renee. Um, Love that guy. At Jay Renee Coffee Roasters in West Hartford, Connecticut. Um, I wanted to go to some of our um, reviews because we always ask people to, if they have a question, it's kind of hard on a podcast to like go back and forth as far as like feedback with people. But yeah. one, one great way is if somebody leaves a review, if you just like throw a question in there, then give us your questions. Then Katie and I are going to try. <laughs> we're going to try to start answering some of these. And so um, I did have a couple here. Wanted to go ahead and just jump in. Billy Dingle said, uh, "Sorry, were you making like fun of his name. name? Are you implying that his name is being able to made fun of? Well, no. It's just you were like, oh, no. It's just." It's fun to say. It is kind of fun to say. Billy Dingle. Billy Dingle. Billy Dingle. Yeah. yeah. Billy Dingle. I bet I could say it three times fast. I like your name, Billy Dingle. <laughs> okay, so he said. You probably, you seem like you would have lots of friends. It could be a girl, so he or she said. Oh. Um, I started listening because I bought an office coffee delivery service. Ooh. It's helped me understand the whole process. I'm now opening up a coffee shop. I'd like to hear a podcast on the topic of starting a coffee, and then it goes blank. And I think Billy probably, probably coffee meant shop. shop. Yeah. I think honestly, like that could be our like next season, unless you already Is have answering plans. questions. No, no, no. Is like the road to opening your own coffee shop. It's a possibility. We, we haven't figured out what we're going to do with season three yet, but I feel like that's like a good one, and I feel like a lot of people would like listen to that because I feel like yeah. that's a really like a really p- not prominent topic but, but common people, topic today. Yeah, people won't. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, but to answer um, Billy's question, one thing I would say just right off the the bat is, is we have an episode and we'll put a link in the show notes here that we did with Baba Java Coffee out of Birmingham, Alabama on hospitality and what it means to really um, engage and bring people into um, a coffee shop and have them feel like they're they're wanted there and that they're part of a community and keep them coming back. So we'll put a link in the show notes below for you, Billy. Um, but that's a great one as far as like j- just a starter on you know coffee shops. Um, and if you have any other questions, then I'm not sure if they'll let you leave another review, but you could also just DM Humble Coffee on I would do that. I would uh, I don't know. Instagram. And if you don't have Instagram, you can email us at support uh-huh. at humblecoffee.com. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so this question is from Kira A. Kira or Kiera? I don't know. How's it spell? Is it spelled K I E R A? It's K E A R A. K E Kira 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 We're going to go with Kira You know that song from uh-uh. the 80s? I don't even know what they say but it goes like that it's like Yeah I don't know that one. Wait 
No. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I think over. Anyway. Okay. On. All right. So, Kira, um, I make a lot of events serving coffee for big crowds. Currently, I use an electric percolator. Ooh. But is there a better method to use? So, Kira, what I would say is if you ever can get your hands on a commercial um, coffee brewer, um, that's what I would recommend as far as efficiency. Uh-huh. Uh, Bun makes a few that are um, probably about 500 bucks. Um, so they're on the lower end of uh, being able to get you more for commercial, that, yeah. yeah, for that commercial um, service. Um, and, and then what you do is you're actually brewing into, we call pump pots yeah. or air pots. Um, yeah. and you can also get those on the Amazon yeah, out there in the world. Um, and I think bun also is, I think that's the company that has the most prominent bun. one. The one thing I would not recommend. That'd be UNM. Yeah. The one thing I would not recommend Kira is their, are pump pots that have a glass inner lining. Uh-huh. Do not get those. Because those will break. They will break. Go ahead and splurge and get the one that's the stainless steel on the inside yeah. and the outside, um, and they will last forever for right. you. The we others had, will break. We had, whenever we first started making coffee in general at all, back in like 2016, 2017. That was like, that was a year. Like 2015 through 2019 was just golden part of my life. But anyway, I was also a child. But yeah. anyway. Now you're, now you're an adult, so. Oh, uh, yeah. But Ish. um, anyway, but we still have those same pump pots, I think, since 2016. Yeah, like they're really good. Yeah, they're really know. good. And they, 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 actually another thing, honestly, Kira, is they make, um, they do a great job of uh, keeping things hot for a long time. So yeah. if you have a coffee delivery service, uh-huh. then that is, that's like a game. Like I would highly recommend those because I have, for example, brewed the night before and gone on a camping trip and brought and a couple of pump coffee. pots. Yeah. For, because I'm always the coffee guy. Of course. Um, and when we, and it, it got below 20 degrees Fahrenheit Where that were night. You? We were over on the Tom Bigby River, and it was super, super cold. Uh, you, down in south, this? like it's in Al- it was in I guess it's Mississippi or Alabama, somewhere in there. But anyway, um, but the coffee was still steaming in the morning. So, um, so that's pretty good. Okay, so let's shift gears okay. and let's talk about the siphon pots. Ooh. So it is probably I, delete the word probably. It is the sexiest coffee making machine i think out there and um it's pretty cool yeah would you say anything would you would you would you argue looks, there's anything else out there that's that looks sexier than that well when it comes to coffee now yeah you're talking about coffee no okay not that i've seen yeah uh so you can look it up uh again on the amazons out there in the world and uh just Amazon.com, guys. Translation. <laughs> yeah, we're not putting we're not putting a link. We're not putting a link for that um, because that is ubiquitous. Um, but you could look up siphon pot or vacuum pot. Yeah, they're very cool. Like just like a little explanation. It's not like the simplest way to make coffee, but it's just a very cool, fun way. Yeah, cool to show off to your friends. Do yeah. a chemistry lesson. Right. Just like fun way to. Make to coffee. make coffee, and and for this we have uh, my good friend and your good friend. You know him, uh, my best friend Jay, Jay Renee. Renee. Jay We've Renee. met once. Everybody calls him Renee. I, I for some reason I call him Jay Renee. Everybody calls me Kenneth, but for some reason he calls me Ken. So we just we just I have mean, that kind of just relationship. Have that bond. Yeah, I so. have a funny story about the first time or like when you met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go for my it. mind. Anyway, um, he came to visit us in Starkville. Mississippi, and, and he's yes. from Connecticut. And he's from Connecticut. Uh-huh. And he came, I don't even know why he came, why did he come down here? Well, because he had sold me a Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the trailer. trailer uh-huh. yeah. Okay, so, anyway. Um, this has nothing to do with him. I just have, like, a memory, and I just, like, rem- 
like remembered that he was down here when this happened. The last time I had apple cider and consciously was able to drink it without being scared was when he was down here because last time I had apple cider. Wait, hold on. I don't even know what I'm saying. Basically, what happened was you were taking him to one of the coffee shops in town Mm -hmm. and great coffee shop. Amazing. But I had like some special they had that day. It was like caramel apple cider Mm. and it was good. But immediately after that, this had nothing to do with the apple cider. I got the worst stomach bug of my entire life. I think just because it was like going around. And so now every time I think of apple cider, I think of how my stomach hurts so bad. So it's like, it's like connected. And so now I can't drink apple cider. See, I feel like yours is worse because my connection to a GI bug was one time I had some corn, uh-huh. like salad. Yeah, but that's like you can do without corn salad. That's what salad. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is like yeah. like the thought still makes me nauseated the because I associated of, that yes. with getting sick yes. afterwards. Um, and, and I'm in a better boat than you who have now lost apple cider. Yes, but then if you lose apple cider, you lose apple cider donuts, you use, lose apple pie. You lose, you lose anything, like anything. Now, whenever I smell cinnamon and apple together, no matter what it is, it just like makes me nauseated Mm. and I just like can't. And that was like three years ago and I'm not over this yet. It's okay. It's okay. And it's not your fault, Jay Renee. I promise. You just happen to be there. It's not your fault. Um, we'll jump into the show and the interview with Jay Renee. Um, and then afterwards, Katie, I want to, I want to ask you about, um, your and his fascination with photography. Ooh. Okay, let's jump into the show. All right, Jay Renee, great to have you on the show. Happy to be here. Looking forward to it. So you and I have been friends for quite a long time. Like we're old. We are. Like you have <laughs> past crop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're dull and muted uh, as far as like our our flavor assessment. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, we have we both have gray hair, um, you know. Yeah, so I think that's a good way to put it. Is is we're 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 over um, as far as our peak, but maybe not. I think uh, honestly, a uh, little tangent, but like you know, I think it's a mentality, you know. As far as, um, you know, you don't have to be, like, just because you hit an age, you're magically, like, you know, over the hill. What do you think? Um, I think that is the biggest disservice that we're doing to the coffee industry. And it's a strong, if there's one, if there's one movement that I want, that I really push is for the next generation to adhere to those that were groundbreakers, uh, early settlers, because all of this is an evolution and there is so much to be learned from the past in order to understand present day perspectives. And you will miss out on a huge learning of the experience if you only focus on the now without learning from the past so that you can innovate tomorrow yeah you know and uh i guess it's like so in like asian cultures um where there's a lot of respect paid to you know the older patriarchs um you know within the family and um another way to think about it or put it is they say you know that a library burns down every time somebody passes away and so there's a lot of experience right you know as far as some of us older guys and girls, um, and honestly, um, you know, we could probably shave a lot of wasted time, you know, off of, you know, where some of these younger folks um, will be going in innovation in coffee um, just through, you know, some of our trials and, you know, mishaps and successes and stuff like that. And there's a lot of information that is getting lost because of the the overwhelming amount of current information fails to oftentimes, not always, to make a substantive link with development when it first started. And it is very concerning for me because 
their coffee, as you and I know, is a is deceptively complex. Mm-hmm. Um, I always love to make those the, those analogies that had nothing against xenophiles in the beer and wine industry, but you know, coffee doesn't have beer doesn't have the benefit of. Uh, if it's bad beer or bad wine, you get to put milk and sugar to make it better. You know? <laughs> That's very true. You know, we, this, this coffee is, you know, has, you, you can do a lot to it. It's incredibly resilient and still be a beverage that can be memorable for people. And it can often lose sight of what it was intended to begin with. And I always go full circle that coffee is a social beverage. I don't seek it for its psychoactive effect. I seek it for its ability. That said, does it accelerate neuroreceptors in your brain and all that other stuff? Topic for another day. Absolutely. But it's a social beverage. So the more you enhance that coffee experience, the more you enhance that social beverage, which plays into, you know, brewing methods, which Mm -hmm. plays into our connection with history. You know, and uh, I'll tell the 101ers out there, um, Jay Renee and myself, um, when we say that we're good friends, we mean it not. And to be brutally honest, like when I have an idea in coffee or if I need to just, you know, like pitch something to somebody and vice versa, like you and I uh, will randomly text each other and you're in West Hartford, Connecticut um, but we've known each other through coffee, like I said, for years and, um, and, um, yeah, so I, I, I value your opinion and, you know, I noticed recently, uh, I'd say within the last year that one of the things that you had now on bar, um, and looks like it's fairly permanent, um, was a siphon dripper or pot or vacuum pot, or whatever you want to call it, which is super sexy, um, and there's got to be a reason as to why you have it and why you like it. Um, so I wanted to get you on to kind of talk a little bit about it. Sure. The interesting thing is before pour-overs really um, saturated the market as the standard for um, coffee brewing, siphon pots are were and you know vacuum pot or siphon pot uh depending on what region you're from um was incredibly popular in the specialty coffee scene early on yeah and a lot of people um moved away from it for for a couple of reasons that we can as we'll discuss later but the biggest reason why siphon pots are here to stay in my shop is number one it has a historical connection with connecticut mm. And um, the development of the siphon pot um, has history, has Connecticut history. The yep. second is it's an amazing, it's an amazing brew method, and it's it, it, it has it has its it deserves the 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 love and the attention that people give it. Yes. And, um, Go ahead. You know, I'm sorry. No, and, and lastly, it is um, it's it helps which is what we talked about at the beginning. It helps you learn more about coffee and anything that helps you increase your coffee game, I think is definitely worth the time uh, put into it. Yep. And so what I want to do real quick is I'm going to bring the coffee history up to um, when it would be then in the U S and then I can let you pick it up from there um, as far as the siphon pot goes. And so (laughs) This is all right. So this fascinates me is that somebody in the 1800s could come up with something like this. And and one of wonders if you look up siphon pot, um, it 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 looks like you know something that you're going to see off, uh, like in a lab experiment or off a of Breaking Bad or something like that. Um, and it's got some engineering behind it as far as how how it works that that i want to go into because i like geeking out and stuff like that um and we'll get to it in a second but history wise it there was a early version in the 1830s in berlin a guy named loaf l-o-e-f-f 
um, that came up with this as far as like what we would call our base for where it originated. Um, and then it was pretty popular. Um, and there was, um, some improvements from the original. There was a Madame Vossois, I think, uh, that in 1841 made a, made some significant improvements including the little rounded uh, piece at the bottom. Um, we'd call it like a French balloon. Um, but anyway, they come up, came up with that. Um, and then uh, it continued to get continued in popularity. And then in the, towards the end of the 19th century or in the 1800s, it started making its way into the U.S. Um so one thing I will say, and I want to hear the connection to Connecticut. Um, I had read that in 1950s, 1915, there were a couple of ladies, which go ladies as far as power goes, Miss Ann Bridges and Miss Sutton of Massachusetts. But you can correct me here if I'm mistaken. They um, marketed a siphon under the name Silex, and I thought – this is really the cool part is Silex stood for, and I'm going to emphasize where the letters are here. So sanitary and interesting method of making luscious coffee. It is easy to operate on account of it being x-ray transparent. And that's where the word Silex came from. How cool is that? That's that is pretty amazing because that's a little bit more history than I was going to share. Um, but to add to that, the Hartford Silex Company was the manufacturer Sweet. of uh, vacuum pots um, here in Connecticut. Okay. So that family ends up either selling um, their 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 patent to a much bigger manufacturing company that ends up buying Silex. But what you end up seeing is also that begins the trend for these coffees, which weren't at the time considered like artisanal. As you know, we're talking to understand history is to also try to live during that time. So everything was very manual. So the process was as normal a process as it was to do any other function in our daily lives that we now rely on our computers to do. Mm. So at the time it was groundbreaking. And at the time it also uh, drew a lot of uh, popularity because of its ability to extract these subtle nuances in coffee. And sometimes it gets the generalization is that it's like a, tea-like quality, I disagree. I think that is one of several attributes, uh, general attributes that you can, you know, um, point to the siphon pot. But the most important thing, I think, is that that history had gained a lot of popularity. It was produced in mass so much that one of the interesting things... And I always share, and I usually win this bet. I always tell people, have you ever seen a siphon pot? And they say, no. I says, it's a good chance you have, and you don't even realize it. They go, you want a bet? Okay. I show them the picture of the runaway child, which is that famous painting by Norman Rockwell. Mm. And you see the cop, the policeman looking at the boy, and you see the diner, the gentleman at the diner, and he's leaning towards the child while they're asking him a question. When you look to the right of that painting, you will find a siphon pot. Okay. Now, going back to this concept of history, because it's really important as we understand siphon pots, is that I once owned a diner and yes. I found an old 1963 menu online of the same diner that I owned uh-huh. with the menus, with the specials and everything. And it wasn't hamburger, hot dogs, and milkshakes. Like we like to perceive diners to be. Yeah. It was actually home cooked meals that were the precursor to the, you know, to the chain stores that we have now. Uh-huh. So they had, you know, 
tons of like more than three or four options of seafood, more than three or four options of poultry. Now, what's interesting is if you see that, you'll see that siphon pots were part of everyday life. That's an indicator. For Norman Rockwell to pick that, yeah. it's because it had to be something that was part of everyday life because that was his one of his themes that you related. I think, I think that is super cool. So I had no idea, and while you're talking, I looked it up. Um, that is so fascinating to me that that was in a Norman Rockwell painting and to the point of like what you're saying in that he didn't paint stuff that was out there. You know, he painted stuff that was easily recognizable, um, and gave you kind of that Americana feel, um, you know, across the board. So I think that's fascinating. It is. And, you know, I'm just recently, and I don't, and again, I want to be respectful of uh, the time and, and our viewers, but you know, it's kind of like ancient civilizations, right? You look at these, you look at these ruins Mm -hmm. and you forget how important they, and a part that they played that for us to even understand Western democracy is in large part because the civilizations in Kenosis soon creep. We might see rubble and marble, but that was like the, the birth of, of, of democracy as it evolved to what we know today. Again, the same theme, understanding history to understand present day perspectives. So to your point, um, if that happened, then I think it's important for viewers to take that challenge on. And the beautiful thing is that if you look up vacuum pots online, you will see so many advertisements. And the first thing I always encourage people who want to learn more about coffee do read the advertisements. You'd be shocked at some of the descriptors, Yeah, you know, some of them that are appeal to the, to the masses, which are bold and rich, but they might talk about a technique. They might talk about freshness concepts that we make the presumption that we started to do that now when those, that was part of everyday conversation a hundred years ago, 50 years ago. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I learned when I found two circa 1910 Molitor coffee roasters in an abandoned building. Yeah. They used to have these trading cards and in these trading cards, I found one on the floor and it said, our coffees are always sold whole bean, never ground. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's over a hundred years ago. Yeah. They knew about oxidation just yeah. as much as we were concerned about. They didn't have an airscape, but they knew that they had to keep yeah. coffees um, properly stored. Um, there was a sensory. There were attributes that would be lost if coffees were not uh, kept fresh. So going full circle, siphon pot was part of everyday life. It it, it provided some, some really... Uh, Fascinating uh, coffee profiles that, while not in as large a scale in the U.S., it's still still incredibly popular in Asian communities. Mm. You, I was in Indonesia two years ago, and I was watching a Japanese soap opera. Don't ask me how; it was the only thing they were showing. <laughs> and there's a scene while they're having a conversation in a coffee shop, and the gentleman behind them is making siphon pots. Yeah. It's so awesome. they're all over the world and they're very present and it's a great, uh, it's a, another great vessel to, yeah. to learn about. Coffee. Well, and um, you know, you're talking about, uh, I think it'd be cool to bring back the trading cards um, as a concept. Uh, but just as an aside, um, I was thinking, you know, let, let's say that trading card was from, you know, right around 1910. So what would be happening turn of that century uh, would be where you're going actually away from roasting at home and whole bean coffee to grinding and it being in those bricks. So what we would consider like first wave um, coffee, and we would consider, like I would consider that a low point in coffee history. Um, and even some of the marketing, which was, I was putting marketing and advertising together, marketing that was super interesting around that time and again you have to understand the culture of the time is they would pitch towards um housewives uh 
and they would say, um, you know, you didn't burn the beans again, did you? You know, and and like like say, you know, why don't you just take that out of the equation and let us roast it for you? And it's it's already roasted and ground. And, you know, so anyway, I don't agree with that marketing, but that's where it was um, when you would have had then another company, which is what you're talking about, pushing back and saying, hold on, like we still do whole bean because we think that's the better coffee. I still find that period in time to be evolutionary. I think, and these are the wonderful things that we, that, that we've, as part of the friendship that we've enjoyed is our different perspectives. Yeah. I find that the lowest point in coffee was in the seventies mm-hmm. um, because we now had technology. We had greater research capability and we, for coffee, it was crystal. For milk, it was primora, and for sugar, it was saccharin. So we figure out, figured out every which way to displace the original to a point where it was no longer coffee, it was no longer sugar, it was no longer milk, it was powder. Yeah. So, um, but the same point, uh, what we found is, you know, accountants got in the way and figured out how can we maximize profits yeah. uh, and still provide, and coffee so resilient. Yeah. Then you can beat it up like that. You can neglect it, and it still produces an experience that people still want to consume. And we were lucky; you could have easily lost that as a potential beverage, mm. uh, social beverage, and could have given way to tea. But instead, you know, it, it had a, a great resurgence in the '80s, and we stand here today enjoying that follow-up movement that made it possible for us to produce an artisanal coffee and made it possible for consumers to enjoy it as well. Stick with us. I'm Kenneth Thomas and this is Coffee 101. All right, so let's say that you just go ahead and get a wild hair and you decide to get a siphon pot for the house or for the office or let's say you're a restaurant. We know some restaurants who use siphon pots at the... uh, table side because they are so attractive as far as how you make coffee well you want your coffee to match the awesomeness of the siphon pot and to be brutally honest there's lots of fantastic coffees and coffee roasters out there in the world humble coffee is one of them and so if you want a way to support the show and what you're enjoying learning then I would love for you to buy a bag of Humble Coffee. You can just go to HumbleCoffee.com or you can click on the link in the show notes. And as always, love having you here and uh, just doing a little chitty chat on coffee. All right, let's get back to the show with Jay Renee of Jay Renee Coffee Roasters in Weeha, Connecticut. One thing I would say to the one on oneers out there, and, and you're kind of hearing us allude to, is Jay Renee and I would highly, 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 highly recommend um, trying to find those coffee roasters and coffee shops that are their their highest priority is not the bottom line. You know, as far as like their their highest priority is actually um, coffee and you know, what I would call being content, focusing on community and doing coffee really well and not trying to like take over the world. Because once you start doing that, you may, you start having sacrifices. Um, and one of the, the earliest things to go is going to be quality. So as, as a total aside, but we'll circle back around at the end, if anybody is ever in the Connecticut or even Northeast area, they have to go to J. Renee Coffee Roasters in West Hartford or Weeha, as it's affectionately called, I now know. Um, and uh, let's talk a little more um, about, let, let me just start and then you can jump in I want to I want to explain like how how the siphon actually works, and then 
Um, you know, if you have specific recipes or anything like that, and I can go through mine um, for our one on out there. So siphon, when you are, are looking at it, it almost looks like two different um, entities. You know, there's this bottom piece and then there's a top piece. And um, the best thing I can tell you to do is just look it up on um or even just go ahead and buy one honestly there's a the one that i have at home um is like it was like less than 40 bucks on amazon and um the bottom part you put your water in and then you have some kind of heat source now jay renee and i have one that is what would you call that like that electric thing what is that like a halogen heat lamp yeah halogen heat lamp okay so you can do a halogen heat lamp and it does do actually a really good job of um getting your water up to temp um but you can also use like just a um you know just an actual flame source um and one thing one little trick that i would tell you is try to get your water as hot as you can before you put it in there, otherwise, it, sometimes it does take forever to actually get it up to mm-hmm. boiling. But the two pieces connect almost like with a little, uh, like a cork almost in between. And what happens is you have those pieces where they're where that bottom is airtight. And as like let's say, and I'm going to say differently when we talk about the actual brew, but for visualization, let's say in the top, you already have your um, coffee in the top part. You have the water in the bottom. As it boils, you're going to get steam. The more steam you get in a vessel where there is not an outlet, you're going to get a higher pressure. As you get a higher pressure, there's a little tube in the middle where the water will rise up from the pressure that is being it's being pushed through with the steam, it'll rise up into the the upper compartment. Now, I've seen a couple of articles that were pretty prominent articles that said that that is um, vacuum pulling it up. That that's incorrect. What it is is it's the pressure from the gas because a gas expands more than a liquid expands more than a solid unless we're talking about water as far as solid and liquid, but that's, you know, neither here nor there for this. So it pushes up, and then that's where in the in the upper glass, that is where you then start to get the interaction between the coffee and the water. So think about it at this point, like simply way to put it is um, like a French press. And so you have an immersion there. And then you can control the water staying up in there by continuing with your heat source, which will continue to keep the pressure high enough in the bottom to keep the water up in that top vessel. And then you simply remove or lower your heat source um, to then decrease the pressure in the bottom. And then as that air in the bottom cools and it starts to contract, then the pressure differential is going to change and it's going to want to pull that water back down. And there's a filter in the bottom of that top glass part that will prevent most all of the grounds from coming back down through there. And it just sucks almost that water down in there, which is now your coffee. And um, it's, it's very visually sexy. Um, you know, if you have it on the bar or you have it at home, a lot of times I'll do it Sunday mornings um, with the kids, you know, and it's just one of those things you just watch, you know, kind of like if you're at a campfire, people just tend to stare at the campfire. Um, and so um, it lends, that part lends to a little bit of the artsy flair when you're talking about coffee. And then you can actually, I personally pour, I take the top part off and I pour from the little vessel the bottom uh, French balloon that we talked about into my cup. Now, some people will take it from there and they'll pour into um, some other carafe to then pour, um, but that's that's what I do. And so I'll, I'm going to let Jay Renee talk, but 
Um, I'll tell you a little differently um, some of the, the nuances as far as what I do to make it what I call a good cup um, towards the end. And I know he's got some ideas, but I just wanted to throw some of that science out there. And so when it's when the water's going up from the bottom, that's pressure pushing uh, from the steam up, but then it actually is a vacuum as it's contracting and cooling in the bottom and then pulling back down. That's correct. And I mean, you've pretty, you've covered it. I, I would only, in summary, simplify, you have a two chamber process in between you have the filters and uh, the bottom chamber, you've got to have that water. And then the goal is how do we infuse that water with that coffee in a way to accentuate all the qualities that we find in, in, in the, in the cup. Now, why do we have different brew methods? We have different brew methods because there is not one brew method that gives you a basic body. There's not one brew method that accentuates aroma. There's not one brew method that highlights the, uh, those positive acids that, that are flavor producing acids like your citric and your lactic and your tartaric. Um, so this is just another brew method. And, that's one of the reasons why I always think it's very important. If you're serious about coffee, there's so much great equipment out there that it's fairly inexpensive that will up your coffee game. And some of it, just because it requires practice, that should be your motivator. Because all that means is that it takes a certain level of skill. When you develop that skill, you have a memorable cup. I can promise you that there are more efficient ways to brown a marshmallow. But the one that you remember more, which is what you were talking about, when you're at that campfire, that's the marshmallow that tastes amazing because you're surrounded by family and friends because there's just something beautiful about it, okay? You have to take siphon pop brewing and add that, inject that level of understanding as well. If you're just going to scrutinize it as efficient and all this other stuff, hey, I'll give it a six out of 10. But if you talk about overall overall experience, I'll give it an eleven out of ten. Okay, so there is there is a, a science part to coffee brewing, and we approach the same level of um, of artisanal. Um, uh, we seem the same artisanal approach to coffee brewing with a siphon pot as we do with a V sixty and a Kalito. But at the same time, it's the overall experience that makes this the memorable cup that has still great popularity here and abroad. Yes, and so um, I'm curious um, as to if there's a specific way in the shop or you prefer how you make it um, or if you have certain ratios or, um, I don't know, do you have any particulars? That Good question. I... You know, I'm always a big fan of infusion. Uh, and early on, I used to dump the coffee after it had most of the coffee had risen into the second chamber, up to the upper chamber. And then I would swirl it mm. like, and create this kind of vortex, right? This kind of like, um, like a tornado kind of yeah, feel. Like and then I would dump it so that it, a cycle so that it would go in there. And I would then let it sit at third. I would only, I would use my uh, paddle to just continue to make sure that all the grounds, I would break that crust and I would keep them immersed because I'm always a big fan of trying to make sure that your coffees are equally extracted. Mm -hmm. Okay. The never ending quest of equally extracted coffee for every ground. And if you look at the upper chamber, you're going to notice that it's kind of pretty aggressive. There's a lot of extraction going on. It looks, there's, there's a lot of agitation. And so hence the reason why it's only, you only keep it for about a minute, 30 minute, 40 minute, 45 seconds. That's about it. After that, you start over extracting the coffee because of the agitation is fairly, the lack of a better word, violent or aggressive. So, um, I, to answer your question, I 16 to one, um, medium to medium fine on the brines and, uh, and I'd like to pour the coffee on the, in the top chamber 
and let it infuse because that early rise, it starts infusing. And it's not, it's no different in approach than when you infuse coffees and you want to start those gases out. And then um, you, I still continue the other process where I will make sure that I am, I am making sure that the upper coffees, it creates a crust that it's also submerged and it creates a thin film. Um, But at the end of the day, what you have to understand is you're going to get your basic principles online. You really need to, the joy is in enhancing it to taste, understanding what are the things that you like about it. I will always encourage people to please learn cupping skills so that you can define the things that you like and the things you don't like. And how many times, which I think why your, your program is incredibly necessary, uh, because we need, to, we need to educate ourselves about, we need to learn the letters before we learn to write and before we write poetry. You know, it's one of the things that we do. And we need to understand that what we are trying to achieve through this brew method, we need to understand, well, is it pre good or body? Is it adds the acids? You know, is it more olfactory, either ortho or retronasal? Is it gustatory, the enhancement? You know, is it a mouthfeel thing? For us, I have valued the siphon pot for its aromatic qualities. 60, 70% of your flavor experience is olfactory. I find the siphon pot to do a very good job under skilled hands uh, to develop a subtle nuances and copies that you may not pick up um, with uh, other brew methods. And I use the word may because there's no absolute. Right. Um, yes, I think all that's good. And even thinking about, I was thinking about back to, um, and I may steal this at some point, but the marshmallow, um, you know, like it might like over the campfire might not make the best marshmallow, but, uh, but that's still the best marshmallow, um, you know. And so I think about the siphon pot, and I'll you know add a couple of my two cents, uh, but I'll leave it pretty ambiguous, kind of like you did. So um, I use so I would recommend anywhere from a one to fifteen to one to seventeen coffee ratio, which you said one to sixteen coffee to water. Um, so I usually do one to sixteen, one to seventeen personally. And I've done both ways. I've done where you don't put the coffee in and you let the water go up to the top um, and then you put it in. Um, And if you're being super technical on like nailing that cup of coffee, I wonder if that might make a better cup of coffee. But what I tend to do is, and again, this is going back to the, the marshmallow thought, is I tend to put the coffee in there. Uh, in that second chamber and let, I I like to visually watch the water start to wet the grounds um, as it starts to like fill up that second chamber. Um, Things that you can play with as one of oneers out there, you can play with grind size. You can play with um, your heat source. Um, If you're using a halogen lamp, then you can actually dial it literally back and forth. And then uh, if you're using a uh, flame, you can kind of, instead of being directly on, you can progressively like move it away from the center. I, that is, if there's one thing that I am particularly, um, that I would, I would, encourage listeners to really pay attention to is the heat source. It is the one element that I believe gives the inconsistency, provides the inconsistency that so many criticize. It is the fact that with a halogen heat lamp and you spend extra dollars to produce a source of energy that you can quantify that is stable, then you are going to then um, be in a position that you are going to you are going to create the right temp for coffees to develop the way they need to because it's a chemical reaction. Right. So you want that water to reach that that temperature so it starts rising. One thing I've noticed that 
a lot of these, these brew methods, uh, brew methods, they, they provide some of these crude heating elements that is just a flame, uh, fire, you know, flame is very aggressive and it's hard to control. Yeah. So indirect sources that radiate like halogen heat lamps are great. The unfortunate thing is we've lost the market to some great pieces of equipment because the, that movement is kind of dying. So you, when, if you look at Asian countries and some of the products that they market there, Hario has an amazing halogen heat lamp that you can't get anywhere. You can't get here. Right. And it's not properly, not the same voltage, but heat is really, really important. And there are some pretty simple halogen heat lamps you get on Amazon that are fairly inexpensive that will do a much better job. It offers greater predictability so that your cup becomes more and more consistent. But I really think that that is, you mentioned something that I really wanted to emphasize. The heat is the one, um, it's the one uh, element that deserves a lot of attention, which is why when you look at, uh, I, I, world, I was in World of Coffee a couple of years ago in Milan, there was a heating element that was for three siphon pots. It was close to $18,000. Jeez. So they weren't playing around. No. This is not, this is a real deal. This is just something that our country doesn't, you know, we're not using as much, but it's right. a real deal in other countries. So um, yeah, it's so a great brew method. It's definitely worth playing. And if you want to learn about coffee, it's a great way to learn about extraction. Well, I was just looking up while you were talking, um, and the prices have actually come down since when I bought my halogen lamp. But if uh, we'll try to put some links in the show notes to, um, and honestly, you can get them off Amazon, um, but the actual Absolutely. siphon brewers as well as um, halogen heat lamp. We'll try to put those links, but if you just look up halogen heat lamp coffee, then the overall pick, um, I think, is the one that I have, and it's like hundred bucks. Um, but you can control the temperature a, a lot better. And again, I would circle back around, especially if you're using a flame, to emphasize to you that I would recommend, and Jay Renee would recommend, you getting that water as close to boil on your electric kettle or whatever. Before you put it in that bottom chamber, otherwise you're going to be there forever. The amount of people that see our halogen heat lamp on our when it's turned on, it's the first thing that they want to do is they start asking you coffee questions. Yeah, it is a missed opportunity for a lot of retailers. Granted, it, it requires attention. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how much it invites consumers to want to learn about coffee. And the more we teach co- coffee to consumers, the more we develop brand loyalty. Yep. You know, I think a lot, honestly, I think a lot of, um, not all, but a lot of where Blue Bottle took off originally was they did lots of siphon pots and they put up the little safety glass wall, you know, in between the bar and whatever, so that you could visually see that. And um, then it prompted questions. And then um, you have people talking about your shop and, you know, then one thing leads to another. Um but one last thing I'll say about siphon pot is whenever one of oneers you get ready to say, okay, I'm done as far as extraction and I'm ready to the equivalent of plunge, you know, uh, if it was a French press, you simply remove that heat source. Just remove the heat source and magic will happen and people will be like mesmerized. So that's all I got on siphon pot. You got anything else? No, I want to thank you so much for making it possible to uh, bring these brew methods that deserve uh, the attempt. They deserve great attention. They deserve to be in the artisanal coffee scene. And it's a mastery. And anyone who takes coffee seriously and wants to master coffee, this is just another great tool that will increase your coffee game and something to be proud of. Yes, and it was in a Norman Rockwell painting, The Runaway, so people can... Check that out, and we'll try to put a link to that, too, in the show notes. Um, Well, you do a lot of what I would call selfless things as far as giving back to community um, and just using coffee as a vein for that. Uh, And one thing particularly I was thinking about, um, I mean, we've already said if anybody's in the Northeast, they need to go 
J. Renee Coffee Roasters in West Hartford. Um, but uh, tell me a little bit about Victus Coffee. Sure. What, what is that yeah. for our listeners? Absolutely. Victus Coffee was another brand that I developed so that it would focus on taking a portion of the proceeds to help organizations uh, promote wellness and advocacy. We first started with endurance sports and cycling, and that was another reason why Ken and I connected. Um, but we realized that wellness is, there's just so many ways that we can um, do our part to promote wellness in, in, in our, in our society. So it's been uh, a labor of love. It's been fun. We're expanding. We might be opening up another uh, brick and mortar store. Our uh, roaster just happened to win three limbs in Kansas city. Yeah. I saw really that. Congratulations. That. Yeah. Thank you. So um, Victus coffee, um, which has its own separate site, VictusCoffee.com. Um, also highlights individuals that are doing amazing things that we're bonded by coffee, just like Ken and I. And we have some, we have a life outside of coffee that's very different. <laughs> yes, um, we do. But, you know, it was this passion for the cup that brought us to uh, become incredible friends. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I'm super happy about our brand, super happy about the work that we are doing. So super appreciative of so many wonderful people such as yourself. And because we all grow through a collaborative spirit, we all grow, grow because we believe in what we believe in. And um, you said something I think viewers need to really pay attention is that the biggest joy is knowing that I may not hear from Ken for three or four months and he calls me with a question and I, it doesn't take two seconds to want to give him as much information as possible. I might forget because I'm fielding a call, <laughs> but the love that's there and, and it's in, and with you, that collaboration is so important. I think collaboration is going to be the new way. A lot of people need to understand and retailers need to understand that they need to collaborate with their landlords. They need to collaborate with other restaurants uh, to make these stories really special because the work that we do is, is pretty admirable and something I'm very proud of. Well, and I think um, I would love for collaboration to be a new movement, not just in coffee. Maybe coffee starts it, but um, in everything, you know, you know, I do medical and, as far as my other job and, and, um, it can be cutthroat. You do, uh, legal and, uh, that can be pretty rough. Um, and, uh, I, I, I kind of, uh, before I got into coffee, I did honeybees and honeybees are able to all survive and thrive through the winter because they have worked together through the year. If you took just one honeybee uh, and they did their own thing, and they were selfish versus selfless, they would die. They would not survive. And so if you take that as an example or a metaphor or whatever you want to call it, um, and you apply it to life, um, two things I'd say. One is I don't care if you see them as competitors or whatever. Both of you are going to do better if you collaborate. And the other thing is you're going to be – both of you are going to be much happier in life. And we only have one life here. So that's my two cents on it. Amen to them. All right. Well, listen, I enjoyed having you on. Thank you so much, brother. All right. See you. All right. So now everybody believes us. It is the coolest way everybody believe. to make coffee. Uh, and I'll, I'll do it sometimes on like a Sunday morning uh-huh. just to kind of for fun. Yeah, show off a little, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, just be like I'm gonna, I'm going to kick it up a notch, you know. Yeah. And like like we're just we're not even I mean, we're going to enjoy enjoy the coffee, but we're also going to like have fun. Enjoy the I process. I mean, what's the point if you don't have fun with what you do? Like what's the point yeah, of doing like, stuff if you don't Yeah, do like it across the board in, in everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like have fun. I mean, like waking up in the morning. Fun. fun. Um, Check. brushing your teeth, <laughs> fun. Eating Taking breakfast, out the trash, fun. You can pretend you're Santa Claus if you're into that. Like <laughs> ho 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 ho, bro. It's like delivering to the trash can. Yeah, I mean, like you give 
you bring it's like the trash can is your sleigh and you're just <laughs> yeah. filling it up something like, like that like why would you not have, <laughs> have fun, fun with that, that. anyway well speaking of fun um you like photography, I and do. what the one on ers don't know is that Jay Renee is also a fantastic photographer. And um, so the two of y'all, when he was down here visiting, um, mm-hmm. y'all talked a little bit about yeah, photography, did. right? And he had some different lenses yeah. um, that he had brought with him. It was very cool. I was very, very into, and I still love photography. I love getting behind a camera. I just like used to I had a lot of time uh-huh. and that's what I would like fill a lot of my time up with like when we would have football games like high school football games I would go and take pictures and it was like so fun and like every time we would go travel I would take pictures and it was just always just like so just like it's like seeing the world through a camera lens is just like a whole different Dang. experience it's like you can like romanticize like every like everything you see yeah. I guess. And so I love it. I really, the only big camera that I use, it's not a big camera, but it's a Nikon D3400 and it's my favorite camera I've ever used before. I've used some fancier cameras and they do have like different capabilities, but all around, like I just love the Nikon. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. I remember waking up and he was already up in the house uh-huh. and he had a tripod with a camera set up and he was taking just random pictures yeah, inside the that. house with like the light coming across things. And it's fun to have stuff that you're just interested in and passionate about. Yeah. And he and I are both passionate about coffee, but, um, you know, he's, he's like photography is another one. And I was looking on the website, um, and I don't see, I, I have seen his photography, but I don't see it as much on the website. Yeah. But I bet that if any of y'all went to the website and just contacted them um, and said, hey, let's see some of your photography, um, then I bet that he, because he's very gracious, um, yeah, he would he probably send that. you like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress. I think that's another, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you. Um, I think that's another thing about, like, photography. Like, I feel like you're really, like, one of the two or, like, a little bit of both. You're really either, like, taking the pictures and yeah. you just, like, being able to, like, capture what you see or you really like the mechanics behind it and how you can get all these different shots and stuff. I just like taking pictures. And I feel like I'm, like, pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I'm pretty good at it. But I just, like, I feel like I have, like, a little bit of a vision yeah. I guess. And like, that's like fun to me. But then like some people really like, you know, switching up the different aspects. Yeah. Like when people talk about stuff pertaining to photography, I'm like so lost because there's like all this stuff behind it. I really know like nothing. Yet. I just, yet, of course. Yeah. I really just like taking them. Um, And if somebody wanted to follow your photography, is it? Oh, I Katie, forgot I had is that. It Katie Rye I made that like 2020. Is it Katie Rye Photography? Yeah. I think K-A-T-I-E-R-Y so. K A T I E R Y. Yeah. Photography uh, on Instagram. Katie so you probably need. Photo- yeah. I, I think that's right. I think, I think you so. You probably need to update it. I haven't it. updated it in a while. Yeah. But you can go look. That would have been middle school Katie's photography. Yeah. But, um, but now also, you're an adult, so. I am. Also, you said I'm 17. I'm not an adult quite yet. <laughs> anyway, um, also, you said Believe earlier, and I like realized so many good songs. Like, have the word believe in them. Yeah. Don't stop believing. Yeah. Um, I think it's just called Believe, and it's the one at the end of the Polar Express. Uh-huh. It's one that's like, if you just believe. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. That's a, such a good song. Yeah. I think it's like either Josh something, John something. I don't well, know. Well, like, yeah. Y'all go yeah, listen life, to that song. Life is too short to not enjoy it as far as, like, Having things that you can believe in and have a passion oh, for yeah. and, and having fun, like we were saying, even if you're Santa Claus taking out the trash. Yes. Taking like that. the presents. Oh, the to presents. Your I'm sleigh. sorry. Yes, exactly. So, anyway, we utterly digress, but y'all go check out J. Renee Coffee Roasters. Um, fantastic coffee, but even, even more fantastic uh, guy who has a vision and a heart for what he thinks the coffee community uh, and the world can be. So y'all go check them out, and that's all we got for you today on Coffee 101.
here's what you can do for us. Tell them, Katie. You need to comment or leave a review, whatever suits your fancy. Yeah, if you have questions, if you have have questions, throw them in the review, and we're going to start trying to answer them. So I think we should answer one every episode. At least one, but probably more than two. Yes, and you also need to give this podcast a rating because that helps us out a lot. Oh, show gets us seen, gets us gets the education out there. Yes, and then last thing, you should follow Humble Coffee on Instagram. Yeah. I think it's just called Humble Coffee Co. Well, no, it's just Humble Coffee. Humble Coffee. You need to follow yeah. us on Instagram. Like with a U. So U-M-B-L-E Coffee. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of shop content on there, but also me and my fellow co-workers will be there. So you should follow and watch our videos because they're kind it's of a, When she says shop content, it's actually real. So it's actually entertaining, um, you know, Instagram to follow. Yeah, um, we're trying to like, Yeah. Yeah, so we'll leave it there because we got to let these people go. But y'all go tell a friend. Go tell a friend about Coffee 101. Yes. Love y'all. See you next time. Bye-bye.